The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to America's Web Radio. We're glad to have you listening in and uh, to our show with our resident historian, Lieutenant Colonel Philip Farsberg, retired. And uh, Phil has is just amazing to me and I, the one thing that I love about this show remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm is the fact that whether it's directly related to Desert Shield and Desert Storm or just some other fact that uh, Philip is always amazing me with his memory and the information that he knows now with that being said we always start off our show because it is remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, but we want to remember all of our veterans and all of those folks that are on active duty right now. And it's a, it's a bit testy depending on where you happen to be. I'm very thankful that my son's home from the Middle East. But we always start off with just a, a moment of silence and ask that... Uh, you give thanks for our veterans and our soldiers. And uh, we'll be back right after this. One other thing that we do, which uh, is something I always enjoy, I didn't enjoy them as much then as I do now, because these bring back memories, some good, some bad, but always memories. And uh, we'll There you go. Okay, so we ought to be motivated, ready to go, climb that hill, make that last half mile, and we have Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Harsberg on the line. Philip, how are you doing today? I'm well, David. How are you today? I'm doing as well as can be expected for my age, you know, and uh, I'm still looking for that. You know, people say uh, the older you get, the better it gets. I'm still looking for those great days of old age. But, uh, no, I'm thankful to be here and uh, doing the show and doing the show with you, sir. And uh, we uh, do have a little bit of announcement. We're going to have um, Dr. 
Don Moeller on this coming Thursday at 10 a.m. And uh, Don has a very interesting story. He's a Vietnam veteran. He was a medic in Vietnam. And they came back and went became a oral surgeon and then went back to school and became an MD. So he's a DDS as well as an MD and he has if if you if you or your any of your friends suffer from PTSD at night and can't sleep, grind your teeth, so forth and so on this is a must listen Thursday at 10 a.m. Don has it's 98 percent effective. He's got the proof. He's got the paper proof. It's no pills, no drugs, no nothing. This is uh, an individual formed insert that he does for your mouth, just like when we were all playing football and we had mouthpieces. And uh, it's very similar to that, but it uh, it's. He has, he figured out the formula of just the right heights and just the right this and that. And, uh, like I said, it's, it's been proven to be 98% effective and you need to listen to this show. And, uh, Don's going to be doing a, a weekly show for us, uh, in the near future called A Place for Veterans. And, uh, we've got another new veteran show starting up shortly, um, with, uh, a gentleman that many of you know because he's the director of the wall, the healing wall here in Atlanta and in, in uh, Newtown Park in Johns Creek, Georgia. And that's Mike Mazell, Lieutenant Colonel retired Mike Mazell. And uh, Mike and I were, he was in the office today talking about it. And uh, he's going to be, you know, Philip, I, I know your background and won't go into all of that, but uh, there are so many people today, finally, that are wanting to help veterans of all ages, all wars, all anything. If you're a veteran, there's help out there for you. And I think it's just absolutely fantastic that veterans are finally getting the recognition that they need. So, Welcome our host, Philip Forsberg. Well, David, I, I do agree with you regarding uh, helping veterans. It's an extraordinarily uh, important thing to do. When we help veterans, we, um, we show uh, the future veterans that uh, our nation is going to take care of them and... Uh, they can they can take care of our country and our national security needs, and uh, our country will take care of them. And uh, it's a very very important. Uh, it it goes such a long way toward uh, recruiting and retention uh, of the troops that we need for our national defense. We we can never betray them uh, or allow their uh, their needs to go unmet. And we're needing more and more recruits every day. And Phil, we're getting, I'm getting a little bit of feedback from you. Um, I don't know if you got something too close to something. A mic too close to. That sounds better. Yes, sir. Better. Okay. 
But, you know, we mentioned many, many times that, uh, you know, if, if you're looking, if you're graduating high school or you've graduated uh, college and you're looking for what am I doing next, that take a look at the military. It can be an outstanding career. And um, I know from my son's experiences, He's, he and his wife both have been able to travel all over the world. He's been stationed in some questionable places, but at the same token, uh, you know, it's offered him a lot and, uh, is still offering him a lot. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great, it's, it's becoming a business and a career, not just, not just wearing a uniform and, uh, the old impression that everybody had that uh, you couldn't do anything else, so you joined the army. Well, that's that's hardly that's so far from the truth today that um, you better be able to do a lot of other things, and uh, it's not just all marching and carrying a weapon. It's using that thing that God placed on your shoulders uh, that has something hopefully between your ears. So. Think about it and look at it, and uh, we also want to acknowledge our respect and love for our military support, and, and this comes from the families, that whether they're actually deployed or not, um, they are deployed when their loved one is sent overseas or sent somewhere, and uh, the the other thing I want to acknowledge and maybe talk just a little bit about Phil is that we we talk about this show as remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and I don't have any numbers on it, and I don't know if there are even any numbers available, but I would imagine that, uh, like in many cases, military folks came back from their duty. And uh, many of them joined police departments and became policemen, and they wanted to continue their service to their community, to their country. And what's happening today is just absolutely deplorable. And, you know, our somebody needs to jerk a knot in a few heads that when a policeman arrest somebody that's because they've broken the law and when you break the law you do the time you do the crime you do the time and that's the way it should be and this turnstile justice department we have now where you do the crime and you're out before the cops can make a report that's this is deplorable and the number of Policemen and women that have been killed this year alone is just disgusting. And I don't know about you, Phil, but when I if I have to call nine one one, I want a response, and I don't want. Well, we're we're working on planting trees right now. We'll send a psychologist over to your house. No, thank you. I want a cop and a big one. So uh, I didn't mean to rant and rave, but I just uh, I saw some of the numbers today or over the weekend, and it just it 
made me sick to think that our country has, you know, I, I've always, maybe I just had this thing that I had respect for uniforms, but my parents taught me, you know, you respect the fireman that's in a uniform, you respect the cop, you respect the soldier, and our country has to get back to respecting those that protect us. Phil? Well, I certainly agree with that, David. I, I guess I would let it go by saying uh, if you don't have law enforcement, you don't have laws. A hundred percent. And if you don't have law, you don't have a country. You have lawless. And the, the reason we have laws is so that we can have a peaceful, tranquil, civil society. So, um, yeah, we, we owe a great deal to our law enforcement. And, you know, there, <clears throat> there are regions of our country that are uh, on this uh, social justice kick and they want to uh, ban the police, defund the police. But there are plenty of other jurisdictions in our nation where um, that <clears throat> that kind of thing doesn't hang, uh, doesn't, doesn't go well and, uh, and nobody puts up with it. Well, so, um, Starting in uh, Atlanta. I used to live in Georgia here, where where people here seem to uh, support law enforcement, and uh, we'll we'll do what it takes to, to obey the law and keep a civil society. And today has started uh, early voting, so um, we can vote for the. For those that support our policemen and support our justice to, uh, system, and will get the job done. And one that doesn't support and believes in defunding the police is Stacey Abrams. And a vote for her is a vote for socialism and just going downhill as rapidly as we could so we we encourage everyone to go out and vote for Brian Kemp Uh, he's been a good governor and I think he will be another outstanding governor in his coming term so uh, he does believe in law enforcement and we believe in Mr. Kemp so Uh, well, uh, David, today I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what happened in Desert Storm. Um, the uh, there were thirty six uh, different countries that are uh, that were part of the coalition that we had to oppose Saddam Hussein, and uh, some said, uh, for instance, uh, Hungary sent 40 troops uh, as part of a medical team. But uh, there are plenty of others um, that <clears throat> were big players 
Um, let's see. Syria, believe it or not, Syria sent 14,500 troops to participate in Desert Storm. Uh, Morocco, 13,000. Uh, Pakistan, about 5,000. Uh, Bangladesh sent 2,300. Hmm. Um, uh, Sweden sent 525 to run a field hospital. Uh, Spain, uh, Bahrain, tiny little Bahrain sent 400 troops. Uh, South Korea sent 314. Philippines sent 200. Honduras sent 150. Not much, but they were in there. Afghanistan sent 300 to be part of this coalition. Uh, you know, that's not to mention <clears throat> Saudi Arabia that had 100,000 troops there. Uh, the UK, 53,000. Egypt, 35,000. France, 18,000. So there's plenty of plenty of players there. Interesting. Uh, this has to bring up the question, and it's almost a biblical question, you know, in its own way. How how did you handle, or how was the language barrier handled? Uh, a number of interpreters. Well, <clears throat> where I was, we uh, we only had to worry about English. I only dealt with U.S. troops, and uh, so I think there must have been, you know, at the higher echelons, folks who were. You know that had interpreters for for the various uh, 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 you know languages represented there. The uh, <clears throat> uh, so you know that I guess uh, they've been working on uh, operations like that for a long time, especially in NATO. I'm sure they had. Uh, plenty of experience and you'd be surprised uh, that, you know, the, the more educated people around the world uh, are very very fluent in English it's been my experience so uh, it's, interoperability is another reason why people are uh, interested in learning English not just for commerce so it uh, it didn't present as big a problem as it could have, huh? No, I don't, I don't think it was a problem at all. Uh, as I told you in the past, we had uh, we had uh, Kuwaiti uh, nationals, these young men who uh, uh, who had been studying in, uh, studying college in the United States. Uh, they came. And, uh, of course, we, we weren't prepared for that kind of uh, conflict uh, with Arabic linguists uh, for our intelligence use. So these, uh, these fellows volunteered uh, and were 
Oh, given the rank of uh, Sergeant E5, they were uh, given a short class on how to be in the Army, and they sent them to us as linguists to sit on positions and uh, transcribe <coughs> conversations that we had uh, uh, listened to, uh, overheard with our devices, and... Uh, so they were able to give us very, very good intelligence because, you know, uh, I guess the, the Iraqi version of Arabic very close to the uh, Kuwaiti version of Arabic. Hmm. And they, uh, so they knew all the colloquialisms. And, and you know, when, the, when these Iraqi troops would talk about, you know, their location, they would reference certain things that the, uh, our Kuwaiti linguists there, they would know exactly uh, where these people were and had to really employ our direction finding uh, capabilities to determine where they were uh, because they, these folks knew Kuwait very, very well. And, you know, in one case, uh, one of the fellows said, uh, you know, this guy is about uh, two blocks from my house. Um, so... And they were very, very anxious to, uh, to help us. And, and when we were able to drive with the Iraqis out, and then we had a day when, when we said goodbye to our uh, Kuwaiti linguists, and uh, they headed north, and uh, there was a lot of tears and hugs, you know, because these guys were, they were getting their country back that had been devastated. Um, they had lost, uh, you know, a lot of family members, you know, their homes had been uh, vandalized and looted, uh, and you know their women folk uh, have been abused by these Iraqi uh, troops. So we were very glad to be giving them their country back. And uh, Phil, we anyway. need to uh, we need to take a break here, please. Okay, all right, you go for it. We'll be back in just a moment. Stacey Abrams says yes to defund the police as crime is on the rise in Georgia. This Phil, November, I'm, I'm still getting a feedback. Abrams and cast your vote for Brian Kemp. Is your... Well, yeah, it seems to be, but it's hard to tell when until we go back on the air. But uh, uh, it was you were getting um, your mic close to earphones or vice versa or something. But that seems... Yeah, I can turn it down some, sure. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, okay. boys and girls uh, of all just, ages, uh, join me, again, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1,400 hours right here on America's Web Radio we'll for the Locked and Loaded show. We will right, talk about you. guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1,400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio.
Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now back to Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm with our host, Philip Forsberg. So, Phil, you were we were talking about the language barrier or lack thereof, which I find very interesting. And uh, I don't... <laughs> I don't know the first word of Arabic, so uh, are, are the dialects fairly similar? Uh, of, of the various uh, Arab-speaking nations? Pardon me? Is that what you're, are you asking about the, the various Arabic-speaking nations? Right. Well, no, mainly the, uh, the uh, countries that volunteered and, and were... Uh, part of the coalition. Uh, that would have taken place over at uh, General Schwarzkopf's uh, headquarters, and I would imagine that every one of those, uh, if it was not a an English-speaking nation, they probably had uh, lots of uh, English translators uh, working. Uh, and of course, I think most of their ranking officers, um, you know, would probably have been schooled in English quite a bit. So, uh, you know, the, I guess the, the orders had to be translated, you know, the battle plans and all. I mean, keep in mind, a lot of these guys were, uh, these coalition forces were in a support role. Uh, almost everybody I ran into when I visited Sweden, knew how to speak English. Uh, most Bahrainis I had ever uh, had any interaction with knew how to speak English. Um, so <clears throat> the uh, yeah, I, I think at, you know at the higher headquarters they would would do this. But of course, keep in mind that um, you know the the main combat forces. Uh, were Saudi uh, and American and uh, British and uh, uh, um, one division of the French. So uh, there was uh, there was a need to to translate properly, but I think everybody there was pretty well schooled in English. The, the British had had a very um, deep history of. Uh, you know, interaction in the in the Middle East uh, with Saudi Arabia and the others uh, since the breakup of the Ottoman Empire at the end of the First World War. So there's quite a bit of uh, uh, English language spoken among the Arabic. You know, I, I find that interesting, and uh, you know, just it's just one more aspect of. You know, right now they're calling for a coalition to go into Ukraine, and uh, all of the, not only is it 
uh, has to be a logistical nightmare when something like this is going on or something like Desert Shield. And not only is it the the logistics, but also the really the logistics of uh, speaking. And um, it's it's just got, got to be tremendously complicated. And yeah, and there was very little time to prepare really for uh, Desert Shield. a lot of uh, or <clears throat> we accept a lot of uh, foreign officers from various countries at our uh, some of our more prestigious military schools uh, uh, all you know through war college and uh, you know there there are foreign students who attend uh, the military academies um, there are foreign students I had uh, foreign officers in my basic officer basic course and officer advanced course they uh, they give them some seats these guys are they're uh, you know they're picked to be sort of the head of their um, armed forces in their country as they develop and they uh, they're very fluent in English quite a bit if they want to be allies of the United States they're fluent in English now, if you, if you look at, you know, what happened with that coalition, um, you know, we had a, an air, com, air combat campaign uh, that lasted for about six weeks. And uh, they flew more than 116,000 combat sorties. They dropped uh, 88,000 tons of uh, bombs and... Uh, was so that air campaign was so successful that the uh, <clears throat> the ground campaign was over in a hundred hours, just over four days. So, uh, and uh, you know there were a lot of firsts there. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> the first time we used stealth aircraft in combat uh, in a kind of major way, uh, we uh, it was you know really the pioneering of uh, precision guided munitions and uh, just I can't tell you how wonderful that is to be able to you know pinpoint where you're gonna where your munitions are gonna hit some of our more devastating uh, munitions and uh, you know we, we were able to drive the Iraqis out of Kuwait in four days now you compare that to uh, well, you have, you know, the the Russian army. Look, and they're gonna they're gonna conquer uh, Ukraine in a few days, and uh, it's been several months, and uh, they've uh, they've gained some ground, they've lost some ground, they've lost an awful lot of people, and uh, there's nothing decisive going on there at all. Yeah, uh, Phil, we're gonna take another break and. Uh We'll continue our discussion about coalitions and uh, remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm right after this. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans.
veteran-owned America's Web Radio endorses and supports Dr. Rich McCormick for Georgia's 6th District, U.S. House of Representatives, as a decorated Marine helicopter pilot, and now an emergency room doctor who served on the front lines against COVID-19, Dr. Rich McCormick has never been afraid of a fight. Whether it's communist China abroad, or the radical left in America, Rich knows the next fight facing America is to stop socialism. He's all in. Vote for Rich McCormick. Stacey Abrams says yes to defund the police, as crime is on the rise in Georgia. This November, say no to Stacey Abrams and cast your vote for Brian Kemp. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm and our host, Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg. And it's always a delight to have, to just chat with him. And um, we've got, uh, like I said, a, a very interesting show coming on. Uh, not, and this is, I don't think it'll ever top remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, but, uh, we've got an interesting show about PTSD coming on this Thursday at 10 a.m. So if you suffer from PTSD or you know a friend that does and can't sleep at night, this is a must listen. And whoever, you know, whoever's listening now, Please take the opportunity to send out that people that have PTSD and can't sleep, they should tune in at 10 a.m. on Thursday to America's Web Radio. And uh, it will be well worth the hour just listening to Dr. Don. And uh, I've gotten to know Don quite well, and he uh, his his mission is to help as many veterans as he can and uh, he's doing this by you don't until you've been there and done that you don't know how important that good rest at night is and he has the product to and it's no drugs it's a fda approved it's been actually the uh, premise has been approved for many 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 years and uh, he's just improved upon it. So, anyway, tune in 10 a.m. third this coming Thursday, and uh, I think you'll appreciate everything that Don has to say. So, back to remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and uh, you know, it was and we've talked a lot, or not a lot, but we talked about food in the past. We were talking about languages. What about uh, food for the different uh, countries that participated? Did they bring their own chefs, or did uh, were we expected to cook for them as well? Um, <clears throat> I don't. Uh, I don't recall uh, interacting much with, with other forces, but where I was set up, <clears throat> we did. You know, in my unit, we brought our cooks with us, uh, and they prepared some of our meals. But the uh, the uh, the king of Saudi Arabia was building this uh, airport um, in Daman uh, called King Fahd International Airport, and he had a mess hall that he had set up for his uh, 
workers building the airport. And so he told us that we were welcome to eat in his mess hall anytime we liked. So usually it had a, one meal a day in their mess hall. And there, there were other coalition forces that came through. Um, well, you know, it all depends what kind of unit you were. I guess if you were a, uh, <clears throat> you know, part of a Swedish little team, then you, you know, you probably piggybacked off of what was uh, in the area. Uh, and if you were, uh, you were a, like the French tended division, I'm sure they had their own uh, food uh, system or uh, feeding system. Uh, you know, we built heavily on MREs, these packages, and I think the guys that were up moving too far and too fast, uh, you know, to set up kitchens, I think uh, those guys made exclusively MREs. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you, if you want troops to fight, you got to feed them. I, I guess the French brought their own wine, correct? <laughs> I know that they do. You have wine in their rations, so uh, probably, you know, of course, uh, outlawed in Saudi Arabia, but, you know, we, so, uh, we had sausage and pork, uh, pork chops and uh, bacon, ham uh, in our mess hall, so um, I don't think, uh, and of course the MREs, you know, they, they, we had hmm. ham slices. Induced. We had uh, a dehydrated pork patty, not one of my favorites, but uh, yeah. So we, yeah, I think uh, there was enough uh, accommodation for us. So we, uh, so I'm sure the French had the. Um, we uh, we were not supposed to have any alcohol during that whole. Uh, time in Desert Storm, and uh, I can never uh, vouch for the validity of stories of Air Force driving to Bahrain on the weekends and uh, drinking copious amounts of alcohol. Uh, I have no first knowledge of that. Phil, I think we lost you there. I'm here. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you had dropped off there for a second. Well, I, uh, you know, we're still, I'm still getting some feedback from you, Phil, and I really don't, getting a mic too close to, uh, earphones or vice versa or something. But anyway, with that, uh, and I guess when, how much time was there? There was only like uh, literally a few days, wasn't there, for planning and logistics and uh, getting it all put together to uh, to go to take on uh, Kuwait or take on Kuwait, take on uh, uh, Saddam Hussein. Uh, well, <clears throat> you know, we always there are hundreds. Uh, war plans that sit on the shelf and that are thankfully never used. But they do have uh, occasions when uh, 
you know, they say, okay, we're going to, we're going to, this plan, names for them, and, uh, and then, of course, they only have to modify them slightly, but a lot of the logistics is already pre-planned, um, so, <clears throat> Uh, I think the Don invaded on the 2nd of August of uh, 1990, and I think we had troops on the ground by the 4th of August. I didn't arrive until the 23rd of September. And then the one that always gets me is uh, we had all of our equipment and ready to go for Europe, and that was... uh, the OD green and camouflage and all of that, and then uh, come to find out it sort of stuck out like a sore thumb in uh, a desert situation, so much of the equipment, if not all of the equipment, had to be repainted, and uh, that had to be a rush job, and uh, I saw some of that going on here in Georgia. It's uh, Stewart, I believe. But Yeah. Well, I would say... Uh Earl Shive and uh, Sherwin Williams were very good. Exactly, it was our soldiers that painted the vehicle. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, that was, was a big uh, change step for us. Okay, has been forest green is now going to be sand colored, and uh, and then of course our uniforms. You know, we look like. We were some sort of virgin jungle, and uh, suddenly that got changed to uh, what we called the chocolate chips, a, a desert camouflage pattern. Well, you know, there's always so many things to think about and so many things to do that... Uh, preparing, and, and I would assume we're probably one of the best prepared militaries in the world as far as you know we have we have the 82nd that's uh, ready to go anytime we have the 101st and uh, they're always prepared they're always training and uh, they'll they'll jump out of a plane almost anywhere won't they yeah and you know uh, I guess you know, probably the first book on the ground there was the 82nd. Um, and, you know, they, they went in, uh, you know, they a ready brigade time. Uh, and so they launched them. And, uh, you know, so that was, uh, 41 divisions, mostly, uh, armored and mechanized. And, uh, of course, the 82nd, uh, if it can't be pushed out of an airplane, you know, we pretty much don't have it. So uh, they uh, <clears throat> they were pretty outgunned at the beginning, uh, but I think sort of their purpose was to say, well, if you come across this line, you're going to be fighting America and give us plenty of justification uh, for bringing in the heavy forces afterwards. So that was sort of they're, they were the ones stopping the, uh, the Iraqis from coming into Saudi Arabia, which was a huge concern to the king of Saudi Arabia. And uh, so we got uh, the, the 82nd 
came in and they were uh, basically set up um, as a as a covering force to make sure that there would be no uh, Iraqi incursions, and they sort of stayed there. The hundred and first came in afterwards. And they, uh, <clears throat> you know, they had a lot of a lot of helicopters, and they were extremely useful in that. Uh, you know, in the first day of the ground conflict, they put their entire division a hundred kilometers in into the uh, Iraqi rear area. So um, there's really there's very little you can do once you have a whole division in your uh, in your rear area tearing things up. Um, the, the 82nd <clears throat> fought as uh, conventional light infantry. Uh, you know, once once they got in there, uh, they they're over on their uh, flank. They had uh, on their uh, left flank the uh, 80th, the French uh, French division. And so, <clears throat> yeah, so that, that's who got in there first. And then, of course, the Marines set up along the coast. Um, and um, and then, you know, these, these guys kind of stood toe-to-toe with the Iraqis. Uh, while, meanwhile, we built up an enormous force plus coalition, uh, you know, in, in Saudi Arabia. And uh, I can recall that uh, Secretary of State making numerous attempts to get the uh, Iraqis to leave peacefully from Kuwait. And uh, the moment that everything was in place, um, that was when the deadline was over. And we, uh, you know, we unleashed the air war and then uh, subsequently the ground offensive. And uh, it didn't take long. And, of course, that's the last real traditional force-on-force conflict, I would say, probably up until about uh, this uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. And the number of... They were reporting on the number of Russian drones that Russia had bought from Iran that they're using to attack... Ukraine now and the capital of Ukraine and we really didn't have the drone ability during uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm but or at least I don't think we did and uh, that has become quite a uh, quite a force now yeah um, the unmanned aircraft uh, are uh, you know, you used extensively now in, in all of our operations. Um, I think, um, you know, this really, this is really quite telling that the Russians are using, um, Iranian made weapons. Um, you know, it sort of sets them, uh, it helps define, you know, who the Russians are. They're really, you know, on this evil side, working with uh, working with the uh, you know the largest state sponsors of terrorism out there uh, in Iran. So um, I would just uh, say we need to <clears throat> we need to pray for and support folks in the Ukraine. 
Well, it's, uh, yeah, well, it's, you know, they have, they have, in my opinion, the Russians have far surpassed the term war crimes, and uh, they should be held accountable, and I think the only way they could ever be held accountable is another coalition that uh, makes them realize that they don't stand a chance if they want to uh, take on NATO or take on anybody really for that matter uh, but you know they they have no or seemingly they have no respect for life uh, at all and uh, what they've been doing to, Ukra- to Ukraine is Again, a deplorable situation that uh, has to be stopped. And uh, I hate to think that we're the only ones that could stop them, but we may be. Oh, yeah. Well, I I don't think that uh, our current... uh, the commander-in-chief of our army and navy uh, is the man to build a coalition. Um, I don't think uh, anybody's interested in uh, his uh, his uh, brand of leadership. I would have to uh, say, you know, I don't think I would follow him to the latrine out of idle curiosity. No. Nor would anybody else, I don't think. You know, and I think this is well. Of course, point. our armed forces are compelled to, um, and so uh, my my message to the American people is: be very careful how you vote. Absolutely, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be seeing it in a few days. The uh, a major turnaround in the House and the Senate, and. Uh, then in another couple of years, a total uh, turnaround in the White House. Uh, it was, you know, you couldn't, in my opinion, again, you couldn't help but when the former president was in and the way he did things and the way he made you feel, you couldn't help but have your chest sort of puffed up and sticking out when you said I'm an American and uh, that felt good and uh, being proud of our country is what it's all about and uh, that's what our veterans and our active duty think today and that's the pride that they have in their country and you have to have you have to have leadership Uh, there's no question about it you have to have leadership and uh, and respect for that leadership, and I don't think, like you said, I don't think we uh, we have either one right now with what we've got as commander in chief. It would be hard to uh, be hard to take orders from him, but that's what our military does, and uh, you know it's yeah. uh, you have. 
Well, I think that's one thing the military teach, teaches everyone is uh, sometimes you have to bite your tongue and, and dig that extra uh, ditch whether you like it or not. But you do it because you were ordered to do it. Well, um, our, our military veterans, specifically Army veterans, have had a very um, good record of leading our country in troubled times. Um, so uh, I think that uh, we probably need somebody with that kind of uh, integrity and leadership and clarity of thinking take the reins but uh, unfortunately I believe that the um, that a lot of the folks uh, who uh, have served and risen to the top in the ranks are uh, just a little too sick of politics to, uh, to engage on that level makes you wonder doesn't it uh and i don't you know it's i not only the past but i worry about the future or the the young men and women that are volunteering and coming into the military and how they feel and after particularly if they've gone to our liberal universities and gotten fed progressivism and you know they're going to have a real slap in the face when they uh, whether they're officers or uh, are enlisted they're going to they're going to wake up to a new world real quick and uh, but that's that's what the military is there for and I just hope that nobody ever tries to uh, put an extra two or three or four masks on them and not let the military do what the military does best. And uh, all the respect in the world for them and all the respect in the world for our first responders. And I think, again, the citizens are going to have to stand up and vote correctly. Vote for the person that wants you to have police protection wants you to have the best first responders and we had them and we have them but we're not going to we're losing them the military is in a crunch right now for recruits and with the way things are going on with police forces they're in a they're in a bind for recruits and folks it's up to you and the way you vote to make a change. Phil? Uh, I agree. Um, you know, people have to be involved. People have to be um, informed. And to make uh, being informed a priority uh, so that uh, <clears throat> so that we can uh, you know, so we can make the right choices uh, for our armed forces or for our, you know, for our nation. Uh, so, um, 
recommend that people uh, do their homework and uh, vote for the ones that are, you know, national security should be right at the very top of uh, priorities. I mean, I'm, I know everybody's worried about the economy, but um, to me, you can have the best economy in the world, but um, if we lose our nation because of our enemies, then uh, it doesn't matter how good our economy very true and it's something that uh, you know it's like everything else you have to study you have to know your candidates they'll all unfortunately tell you what they think you want to hear and you've got to dig down and get the truth and sometimes it's harder than you think but if you know someone that is involved with politics ask them what they think about so and so uh, it's like the race that we've got going on here in Georgia. There's no doubt, absolutely no doubt, that Stacey Abrams is the worst left-wing politician running. And Warnock is a very close second. And I was talking to a friend last night that said they had gone to ISOF for help. And that, you know, he had promised them everything and done nothing. And, folks, we've got to have politicians that will do what they say and do it correctly. And do it for all of our benefits. And, Phil, we're going to have to wrap it up, I guess, and uh, look forward to next week and continuing our discussion and Continuing to remind people that there was a desert shield and there was a desert storm and we beat the hell out of a evil, evil person in the Saddam Hussein. And he would fall in the category of a, a Hitler, a Putin today. <coughs> but we won. So, with that being said, we're going to move on down the street. Phil, thank you very much, sir. All right, David. Take care. Thank you. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.